The Mets avoided getting swept by the Cincinnati Reds over the weekend, and it continues to be Ronnie Timber. He better hit. He better run. He continues to hit. Mark Vientos with a three-hit day. The baby Mets have been bashing. Anthony Rivera, the Subway to Shea podcast, will join me to talk baby Mets, to talk David Stearns, the offseason plan. Will Buck Showalter be back? Bartolo Cologne day on Sunday. And Maybell Blair, the 96-year-old icon. Lots to talk about. It's all coming up next on Amazing True from the New York Post. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Welcome back to Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. I'm the pod father, Jake Brown, at Jake Brown Radio on Twitter. Figgy is golfing today. Tells me we expect to potentially have Bartolo Colon on the podcast on Thursday. So we might take a trip to the Bartolo Colon Spanish Academy, the big, sexy Spanish Academy. And if you're watching on the New York Post Sports YouTube page, you'll see the shirt giveaway. You know, I have said on the show the Mets have done fat shaming by not giving XLs instead of larges. But I believe this is a large and it fairly is a good fit. And black is a good color. It's a slimming color. Big, sexy by Bartolo. The back is, if you saw the picture I posted, is a bottle of cologne. The whole advertisement the Mets did, cologne, cologne. So it's kind of funny. It's a cool giveaway. I'm glad I went for the shirt. I still got to watch the Jets get absolutely demolished, but the Giants won. You can hear that on Blue Russian Gangs all here, of course. Joining me in just a minute will be the host of the Subway Touche podcast, Anthony Rivera. You've heard him on the show when he filled in for me to do the show with Figgy, I believe in June when I had a bachelor party and wedding back-to-back weekends. And now he will join me here in a minute. But the Mets, they lose two out of three of the Reds over the weekend. It is mind-blowing that the Reds are in the playoff race because I look at this team like, how the hell did they do it? They don't have a lot of pitching. They have a lot of below-average hitters, but they have found ways to win. Ellie De La Cruz, talk about going from 100 to 0 real quick. This guy went from 1 to 9 real quick. He went from a leadoff hitter to a three-hitter to cleanup. He's batting ninth over the weekend. I mean, he's an incredible talent and an incredible story, but, man, has he regressed over the last few months. And, you know, he's still the shortstop of the future there. He's going to get the full year next year. Interesting thing to watch in a similar predicament to what the Mets are in here with, you know, like a guy like Brett Beatty will talk about, is he the Mets' future third baseman? Ronnie Mauricio hasn't regressed, has looked consistently good at the plate, hasn't really made any big mistakes in the field. He's going to be, you know, talked about as a guy who could be a starter next year. But the Mets want to go young, and I say it every episode, and I hate to sound like a beaten drum. You wish you had months of this. You wish you had a few months of this show. It was Bartolo Colon Day Sunday. That was nice. He threw out the first pitch. He, at this point, he didn't throw a strike. I mean, it was almost in the dirt. Um, I thought Bartolo would throw a laser down the middle. He lobbed it in there. You know, beloved Met, you know, I wasn't obsessed with Bartolo like everyone is. It's a fun story. He was great. 44 and 34 um, in his Mets career. He was an innings eater. You know, a good player, not a Hall of Famer, but a fun career for for a guy who played all over, played for a couple decades, you know, went from slim to bigger, became a beloved big fella. We love our big fellas. So, you know, he's a cool story. But, you know, Sunday they win over the weekend 8-4. Jose Quintana, another strong star. The Mets, the good news, they got good starting pitching all weekend. Well, you know, the bats we know aren't going to always be there with some of the guys they're throwing out there. As good of a story as it's been, the Ortegas, the Arauzas, you know, luckily no more saying Danny Mendick on this show, but 
Now they're going to have their days. They don't score enough or the bullpen blows it, but the starting pitching has been promising. So that's the recap of the weekend in the city. If you, you probably saw my legs, my fat legs on the top left of the scoreboard bug yesterday. I was in that first row in the uh, Delta. And luckily I don't think it got my face eating a hot dog. You know, I have been captured eating a glizzy before becoming a glizzy gladiator. But one guy who I don't know if he's a glizzy gladiator or not is Anthony Rivera, who will join me now. Anthony, are you a glizzy gladiator or do you, you know, mildly enjoy glizzies? What is glizzy? Hot dog. That's what you, that's what it's called. Really? Some people call it glizzies. Yeah. I do like a, I guess I do like a glizzy. I mean, I, I, when I was at the game on Saturday, I had one with some fries. I, the, the simple stuff I like. I get mad though when people, especially if it's like their first time or they've been a few times and they're like, I can't wait to eat a hot dog at the game. City Fields voted number one food at baseball. So if you go often and you mix it up, that's fine. But if you're going one time and you're going to the prominent food stadium like City Field and getting a hot dog, come to the Podfather first and get the recommendations because I, I get ve- I, I shouldn't get triggered by that. But like when you get a hot dog and chicken fingers at a stadium that has steak sandwiches, arepas, it's got Pig Beach barbecue. You got you know I get if you're not going to do the milkshake with the donut, it's a lot. I get that it's a lot on your belly. It might not be a great stadium, but like there's so many good like pork belly in the Piazza Club, like the the crumbs, the cookies up top, like. There's just so many other items, Ant, where, like, I don't know. It probably doesn't frustrate you like it frustrates me because I'm just the big food guy there. But, like, I get a little I get a little mad by that when you go to City Field and eat that. Well, let me preface this by saying I, I do love the simplicity of, you know, ballpark food. However, me and Mrs. Subway to Shea had the Saturday plan this season. So we've tried almost everything uh, at City Field. I love the uh, steak sandwiches from Pat LaFrida. Give me your uh, Mount Rushmore food. Let me go. Give me a one through four. What is, so is, is steak sandwich number one? I think the steak sandwich is number one. Uh, we do like the, uh, ch- is it the chicken, do- the chicken donut sandwich? That's yes. up there. Um, I like the porchetta sandwich as well. It's a little salty, but I do like that. And I'm trying to think the Arepa was really good. We tried that uh, on Tuesday. That was very tasty. I'm still praying to the Lord above for getting rid of the churro nachos. That was the ghost food. It was only there for like a month or six weeks. And it's a shame. The Arepas replaced it at the uh, taste of Queens. Are you a Queens guy? What borough do you represent? Or are you Jersey? I am a Jersey guy, but I used to represent Flushing when I was born. Okay. So that's where the Met fandom comes into place. But yeah, uh, I love Queens. Yeah, Queens is the the goat borough, uh, yeah. despite what the haters say, thinking it's <laughs> Brooklyn or, you know, Staten Island shouldn't be uttered. I, I heard Staten Island, you know, might want to secede. I'm like, please do save us all. Get rid of the borough entirely. Send it to the moon. Um, <laughs> Anthony Rivera is with us here on Amazing True. Follow him on Twitter at Ant Rivera 86 and check out the Subway to Shea podcast wherever you get podcasts. Uh, and let's we'll talk some baseball now. You know, I could do a whole show on food, but. You know, it's it's kind of a tease here when you see Tyler McGill and David Peterson now pitching great because it's like, where has this been consistently over the last few years? And I, I don't think the Mets should be fooled into what they're doing here in the final month to make, you know, make it like they are two pieces of the five-man rotation next year. We know they're going to go out and get free agents, whether that's an Onotani or a Yamamoto or, you know, whether it's a Kershaw, or, you know, a, a Michael Lorenzen, one of those middle-tier starters, they're going to get help. But I, I kind of hope they don't get fooled. I do think McGill and Peterson are earning themselves a spot as a depth piece at, like they were this year as a six and a seven, you know, if someone goes down. But 
I don't know if we should be fooled into what they've done the last few weeks. It's been nice to see 10 Ks for Peterson on Friday. McGill, a strong star, both gave up two runs Friday, Saturday, but I just don't know long-term and 2024 if they should be part of the rotation. Yeah, Peterson is really not fooling me with this little run that he's doing. And this is I, I'm not, nothing to take away from David Peterson, but I had been behind that guy for so long. I was saying that he's not, you know, like Steven Matz. And, and that's pretty much what we've gotten from him. You know, most of this season and the last couple seasons, he's more of a bullpen guy to me. I think he's a, a lefty that can come out of the bullpen. Maybe he's a, a long reliever. That would be very helpful. So I don't see much from David Peterson in the starting rotation. Like you said, he could be a depth piece. We could use him maybe seven or eighth in the depth line. I'm more interested in what Tyler McGill is doing. And if he can, you know, possibly be a fifth, sixth starter uh, when the Mets need it, because the Mets aren't going to go and and spend a whole lot of money on the starting rotation. They're, they need so much that I can't see them outside of getting maybe two pitchers in the rotation out of free agency. I don't see them going so crazy. Maybe they make a trade, but Tyler McGill has to, and I said this with Dexter Henry, uh, your colleague, he has to definitely show what he's made of. And I think over the last month, he's pretty much uh, doing what he has to do to maybe make a rotation spot, maybe be that fifth man, definitely be six, seven. We're seeing the velocity go up for him, which is a, a very good thing. Uh, maybe he's fully healed from the injury he sustained last year, finally. And um, it, it's it's for him, I think it's most important. If we're going to get any roster depth out of the rotation, it's going to come from Tyler McGill. I don't want either of them. I'm sorry. I don't want either <laughs> of them in the starting five. I am fine with them being a six or seven, and but I, I just I want to I want to aim higher. I think if you know if you want to sell to the fan base next year that you're going to be a competitive team, you gotta you gotta show me that. And you know the guys out there. If you want, you know, a, a list of, of some of the names, whether that's a Martin Perez, a Ryu, Kershaw, Otani, obviously. Urias, you're going to shy away from the off-the-field stuff. You're not going to go there. You're going to stay away from Granky, uh, probably stay away from Alex Wood, Cookie. Aaron Nola is the other name. Does he stay in the division? He intrigues me. I would take an Aaron Nola over McGill and Peterson. Giolito is an interesting name. Sonny Gray has quietly put together a nice season. He's an interesting name. Blake Snell is going to be one of the top ones of the market. Will they pay a guy like Blake Snell? You know, in my opinion, Ann, if you have a Yamamoto, Senga, Quintana, Blake Snell, and then one of those other middle guys, whether it's a Gibson, a Paxton, um, you know, a Perez, a Ryu, one of those other guys at five, then you have those depth pieces. I think you're cooking with Edwin Diaz coming back, and then, of course, you fix the middle relief. But in my opinion, and you have to go out and either trade for one or two and sign one or go sign three starting pitchers because Quintana has shown – Tremendous deal. And you wonder what if you had him the first half of the year because he has been a walking quality starter better almost every time. You know, doesn't strike out the world, gets ground balls, just finds a way to get get out with his off-speed stuff. He's just been a professional like he's been his whole career. So I'm looking forward to him and saying, uh, you know, in the rotation. But I think you got to get three, three guys in. The problem is, is how much money are you willing to spend? Obviously, you want the Yamamoto and the Snell. You're going to spend on those guys. But when you're talking about now the Gibsons of the world, Martin Perez's of the world, is the price of them worth it over what you have in Tyler McGill and maybe utilizing that money elsewhere, like in the bullpen 
or maybe for another bat, a DH bat, or, or however they are going to spend that way. I always look back at what we did with Cookie Carrasco. It was easy to bring him back because we lack depth in the rotation. So pick up the $14 million. But when he's providing you worse than what Tyler McGill, you just wasted $14 million where you could have spent that somewhere else. Quintana last four starts, 1.82 ERA. Sanga last five starts, 1.65 ERA. It's going to be interesting. We'll see what they do with this rotation because, you know, they've talked about, you know, the forecast report, Billy, Al Roker, Epler has told us that the Mets aren't going to have the same projection next year. So it's hard to project what the rotation will be. You don't need those Hall of Famers at top. You don't need the $40 million guys. You saw that this year. The Max Scherzer trade has looked more and more brilliant as days have gone by, and now his season is over. Unfortunate for him. Fortunate for the Mets that they were able to get you know, a top prospect for him and Luis Angel Acuna. We'll see if Acuna – I don't think – he won't be on the opening day roster. But there is a chance later in the year we see Acuna as part of this team. Maybe a guy steals some bases late in the season – now that shifts us to the other Mets prospects and guys who are up here. You know, Brett Beatty is concerning. You know, they raved about this guy being the ultimate hitter, being a solid third baseman, not a gold glover. He's not been a good third baseman, and he's been a wildly inconsistent hitter. What do you think about the future of Brett Beatty? Because, you know, Joe DeMeo thinks, you know, Joe said it, he thinks it's probably going to be a combination of uh, Mauricio Beatty, maybe a third, but he thinks, you know, they're going to give him a shot. Beatty, by the way, is dealing with a groin strain. So that's why he wasn't playing the last few days. But I can't live with him being the everyday guy right now. He just has not shown me enough. Do you think you can trot him out there come April and and make him the guy? Because since July 1st, hitting 157 in a Mets uniform has just completely regressed post-Eduardo Escobar trade where you, in 39 games, you cannot... You just can't start him. You can't confidently say, I'm going to shoot you in the lineup every day. And then he doesn't play for his lefties anyway. So anytime you play a lefty, he won't play. And I think Ronnie has played good enough where, you know, he could be an option to be an everyday guy. And he's a switch hitter. So you don't have to worry about the matchups. But what are your thoughts on Brett Beatty? It's so weird watching what we've seen from Brett Beatty. He really hasn't even gotten started, right? I mean, he he had the big home run his first at bat. And he, you know, he tailed off. Then he got injured, was pretty much done for the year. And then, you know, he lit it up in spring training. They didn't give him the uh, starting nod. They gave it to Eduardo Escobar. And I guess I kind of understood that going with the veteran. They bring him back up and and he still hasn't really gotten started yet. And uh, it's frustrating to see because he really played well in AAA. So I don't know what it is, if it's something mental or what, but he has had a hard time adjusting. We've seen what Francisco Alvarez could do and how he's been able to adjust. And we are going to get that period at some point with Ronnie Mauricio. Will he be able to adjust to major league pitching? Because there's going to be spells where he's going to have a, a struggle. So we'll see if he could turn it around. We really haven't gotten much from Mark Vientos who's kind of been hitting a little bit better as of this month. Uh, Brett Beatty has been the one that has been you know, very disappointing, but the Mets need to decide if they are going to invest. And if they are going to invest in Brett Beatty, it has to be for a full season. If they're going to invest in him and Vientos or him and Mauricio, however they're going to put it, they're going to have to invest in those three. Otherwise, you might as well go out in free agency and try to sign a Matt Chapman or, you know, another is a Candelario from Chicago who plays third base, maybe mm-hmm. a guy like him. But if not, if you're 
really want to see Brett Beatty play third base. They're going to have to give him time. But, you know, his time's running out with all of these prospects who kind of play similar positions. You know, Acuna is going to play. Uh, he could play second base and you can move uh, uh, Mauricio to third base. Uh, Vientos has been playing third base. Both of them have kind of been playing third base better than Beatty when it comes to, you know, def- defense as well. So Beatty might be the odd man out, but the Mets need to make a decision this offseason on what what direction they're going to go with those prospects. Mark Fiento's three-hit game on Sunday, and since August 29th, he's in 354 plate appearances in 14 games. And you, know, you you watch this now, and you see the success, and you could smile a little bit, but it still frustrates me and should frustrate Mets fans how much they fumbled this entire baby Mets situation. I'm not going to rip on Volgoback again because I've done it enough. And he had the, you know, Danny Burgers with the Palafrida Burgers ad on the scoreboard yesterday. It was burger on burger crime going on. And then he hits a three-run, you know, ball off the wall that for any other hitter in the history of the sport, it's a triple. But for Daniel Vogelback, it's a, um, you know, just getting into second as the ball comes in the infield, three-run double. So good for him on that pinch hit. But it, it makes you mad because now you see Mark Vientos playing consistently and showing some promise. But the sample size just isn't there because he just has not played consistently enough that he never knows when he's in the lineup. You can't utter him having a starting spot, and he's probably a trade piece. But what is his value? You know, is he a part-time DH? I think the Mets have to get a permanent DH since that position has become available for them. It's been a natural disaster at DH. Whether it was Ruff, whether it was Vogelback, they haven't had a true designated hitter have success, which is why I want a guy like J.D. Martinez to come here, a guy who could, you know, put up 20, 25 homers and hit 260 for you. But, you know, they fumbled this so much. And that's why you get mad about it because Vogelback is no part of this Mets future. And, you know, he was taking at bats from Vientos. He was taking at bats from Mauricio, from Beatty, from these guys. And, like, if you, as soon as you made the trade, just said, all right, let's trot the young guys out there, you would have got two full months to see what you had in these guys. Now you got a couple of weeks, a good spurt here and there. It's not enough time to truly evaluate these players. And sure, you could say, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll evaluate them in spring and see how they're doing. But, you know, spring's different. It's a different animal. It's not an in-game scenario. You're not going up against teams pushing for the playoffs. I think this is good for these guys going up against teams that are in a race right now. The Reds are trying to win games. The Marlins coming up this week are trying to win games. The Diamondbacks are very much last week they come here. They were trying to win games and the Mets beat them up. So you're seeing some success from these baby Mets, which is like fun and all, but you're like, why couldn't we see this the moment they decided to sell while the Ortega was fun, while the Arauz was fun, while DJ Stewart's been great. And DJ Stewart's looking like a guy who could fight for a roster spot for sure. You're like, why did all these 4A players play instead of the baby Mets every day? And why were we robbed, Anthony? of two full months and even more. I mean, you know, Alvarez was the one guy all year, but, you know, I've mentioned it many times early in the year. Vientos gets called up early in the season, never plays. Plays once a week. Buck never plays him. Why is he on the roster? Why is he not in the minor leagues getting at bats instead of rotting away, playing once a week or as a pinch hitter for the Mets? So I just think this whole situation uh, was fumbled. And as a fan, while it's promising to see the talent, promising to see what they have in the minor leagues, and it's also frustrating. I don't know about the other three, but I think we kind of got robbed of Vientos last season at the trade deadline. I thought he should have been up then. Uh, then they decided to go with Ruff and the the whole Vogelback situation. And I, I didn't want Vogelback back at the beginning of the season. I thought he did not provide what 
Buck Showalter and Billy Epler claimed they were looking for, and that was versatility. Uh, Vogelback doesn't provide that. All he could do is DH and pinch hit. He can't play the field. He can barely run. And, you know, I was at a game where in the ninth inning, he got a base hit. He tried to stretch it into a double and he got thrown out a second. It cost the Mets the game. And I think since then, they really haven't used him as much. Uh, obviously, DJ Stewart becoming more of a power presence has taken time away from him as well. But uh, yeah, these I, I don't know, you know, at least Alvarez has gotten himself going and even he's been struggling batting average wise. I don't know how many people put stuff into batting average anymore. It still is a it still means something to me. His powers there. Uh, he, he gets big hits. We we just haven't seen that from the Vientos and Beatty. Mauricio seems like he can, he can get a big hit. He, he had the monster home run on Tuesday. Man, that was that was freaking to the moon. But uh, I need to see more from these guys. And I hope during spring training that they seriously get a big look if they're going to go with them. You know, let them improve like you said they've been doing during uh, this time against teams that are in the playoff hunt outside of last year when they brought them for that Brave series and it was just a mess, a debacle. Uh, I feel like they they did it a little better this way, but maybe we did wait a little too long to bring them up. But, you know, Buck has his guys and I think, you know, Vogelback was one of them. And, you know, every time that I, you know, would uh, uh, get on Vogelback, he would get a big hit. So we would see him for more games. So <laughs> he really can't win. He really can't win at all. You can't win unless you're eating a cheeseburger, watching Daniel Vogelback, you know, get a once in a blue moon, big hit for the Mets. You mentioned Buck Showalter. Does David Stearns bring back Buck or is he gone? For right now, I'm going to say that Buck Showalter stays. I mean, I wouldn't, if it was me, I would allow David Stearns to do whatever he wants. I don't like bringing in someone of a higher authority and then they have to deal with last year's people. I do understand in the front office, that's a little harder to do because as we've seen, it's was just hard enough to get David Stearns. They, it, it's been a you know roller coaster trying to bring in front office people. I think the manager is a little bit different. Um, so if, even if they do let Buck go, I think they'll be okay. If, if, Buck was to stay, it wouldn't bother me either because, you know, as as bad as this season was, you can't take away them winning 101 games last year. And you, you can't keep firing and hiring all these people, but I'm pretty sure uh, Stearns is going to want, you know, his guy at the helm. So we'll see what happens, whether it's a, a Craig Council or someone said Pat Murphy, uh, who's the bench coach. Uh, I don't know where they go with this uh, coaching staff. I just, I, I don't care who's at the helm. Just get me to the playoffs. Yeah, I'm on the same boat. I'm very 50-50 on the fence with Buck Showalter coming back. I'm perfectly fine if Stearns wants to bring his own guy. Buck, yeah, last year was fun, but they you know, they lost in the playoffs. And this year has been an absolute train wreck. I think he, in some ways, may have you know not had control of everything going on in the clubhouse completely. So uh, I'm very much on the fence. I'll live if he comes back, and if he, I won't lose sleep if they fire him and move on. And, you know, I don't think Buck will lose sleep either. He'll get paid for the final year of his contract. Avoid the headache. I mean, being a veteran, like fired manager or like whatever, mutually agreed to part ways manager is like being a backup quarterback. I mean, you do nothing. You get paid. I mean, it's an incredible job and you get paid handsomely. He could go to Cancun, relax for a year with his, with his wife and and be gone and get paid for the year. I mean, what a life it is. And he could probably still get a job after that. He, I don't think Buck's a guy. It's like, all right, he's out of baseball a year. He'll never get back. I mean, he's been a baseball lifer. I think he would find 
a job pretty easily. Another fun story from over the weekend. Uh, speaking of baseball lifers, Maybell Blair is a very fun story. The Mets honored the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League legend, Maybell Blair, with the Amazing Mets Foundation Legacy Award. And I was in the suite next to her. I, I honestly, I'll be honest, I didn't know who she was at first. And then I saw Gelbs in front of me doing, you know, the interview with her. What a story. And what a quote that she said, I can't ever remember not loving baseball. I think my mother's nipples were baseballs. That is a an elite quote from Maybell, who is a queen. Great interview. She had a great first pitch. I mean, it was more of a strike than Bartolo Colon. Of course, it was a little bit closer, but at 96 years old, you can, you know, underhand. You can do whatever you want at that age. So, uh, you know, I thought that was a cool little story. Anthony, we're, we're pulling for strengths. You're looking for fun topics. And I think Maybell Blair was a fun four o'clock Thursday game topic. You know, there were about seven fans in the building. I mean, I don't know what they were thinking with a four o'clock Thursday game. Maybe they get some after school programs or, or something. But I thought that was uh, a fun little thing. You, you, you like these little fun things down the stretch when you're five games away from being eliminated from the playoffs. And you expected what you did from her. She's very witty. Uh, she had the one-liners. I have an affinity for the movie A League of Their Own, which, you know, obviously that's the league that she came from. And uh, that's, a, that's a top three mo- baseball movie for me. So um, it, it's gl- great to see her honored. I, I've never been to the, the Baseball Hall of Fame, which I, I'm hoping to go to. Oh, you got to uh, go. You got to yeah. go. It's a must. Do they have do they have actual because in the movie they have a wing there for the uh, All-American Baseball. Do they have that? I believe so. I haven't been in, in years. I went for Piazza's introduction, um, but I believe it there. But that that place is like heaven for baseball fans. When I grow, grew up and I went for the first time, I remember, uh, you know, I was a big sports memorabilia collector. And there are so many shops. I remember like being in heaven. I was on that Mordecai money, Anthony, using that bar mitzvah money to buy autographed baseballs and, and meet legends. And that place is heaven. And I always remember, you know, I did like a batting practice, one of the batting cages. I ended up either spraining or like breaking my thumb in a batting cage in Cooperstown. And we had to go at a random ER in Cooperstown. Listen, the outside of that strip there, there's not many things to do in Cooperstown. It is very much, you know, bumble fudge America uh, up there. So I, I always remember there's a picture of me with a with like a cast or a, a little thing on my thumb doing a thumbs up with a sprained thumb in Cooperstown. So that'll be uh, that's Drake's next hit single sprained thumb in Cooperstown. But you got to go sometime. I've always, uh, you know, asked people uh, what their thoughts were on the Hall of Fame. Like, oh, yeah, I want to go to the Hall of Fame. Maybe I'll spend a week there. They're like, no, there's only the strip and that's it. There's nothing else to do over there. Yeah, no more than a weekend. A weekend, you know, uh, you might end up in dark <laughs> places in Cooperstown. There's another Drake single, dark place in Cooper. 5 a.m. in Cooperstown is not going to be a single because it's usually in a bed at a, at a you know, a red roof inn if it's 5 a.m. in Cooperstown. Anthony Rivera is with us for a few more minutes. Amazing but true. Jake Brown at Jake Brown Radio. And he hosts the Subway to Shea Mets podcast. The Mets will take on the Marlins this week. And yes, five games away from el- elimination, the Mets. This is the episode. It has finally happened. On Sunday, the Mets won their 69th game of the season. It's the nicest win for the Mets all year. Eight runs, 69 wins, and the Mets 11 games under, eight and a half out. So you're saying there's a chance. They will face the Marlins, who are tied, and that's going to be very interesting, this wild card, because the Arizona's 
Philly's got the top spot pretty much secure, the three and a half up. But Arizona's only a half game up on Chicago and Miami, who are tied. And then Cincinnati, who, again, I'm still shocked that they have a shot for the playoffs because they they beat the Mets two out of three, but they don't look like a very good team. But they find ways to win, so I'll give them credit. They're better than the Mets. But, you know, the Mets will face the Marlins. Have a chance to gain ground. You sweep, you get within five and a half. There's crazy. I would say there's crazier things that happen, but it's reached the point where crazier things have not happened. Mets had seven and 17. This would be eight and a half and 13. So it would essentially take and Miami losing nearly every one of their, you know, they had to pretty much go one and 11. The Cubs got to go, you know, two and 10. The Reds got to go, you know, one and 10 or, or two and nine. It's pretty much an impossibility, but for this, this could be the final episode. We hold out hope that they make the playoffs. I still can't believe the season that we've gone through with all the expectations. Yeah. With all the expectations, with all the hope. And it was really drained out by the end of May. And then June was the, you know, nail in the coffin for this season where they had that awful June this is my first year having, you know, a ticket package for the team, uh, you know, team membership, uh, 20 games we, we did. And it was the most games that I've been to in a season, I think, since 2007, which was another disappointing year. But I've never been happy to have a season finish in a long time. Uh, it's just been so draining. You know, City Field is great. Like you said, the food. Awesome. A lot of great options, a lot of great things to do out of City Field. But the product that has been put out on the field by the team has just been disappointing. And now we're just, oh, let's see if Pete can get to 50. Can uh, Francisco Lindor get to 100 RBIs? Like, let's see what the kids can. But, you know, after a certain amount of games, it's just very frustrating. And the, every time the Mets get to seven games out of uh, a wild card spot, I'm always like, oh, you know, may, like you, maybe maybe there's a chance here. Maybe we could do something. And then they go on to lose three or four in a row. So it's just been a frustrating watch of this team uh, all throughout the season. And I'm just happy that, what is it, October 2nd is going to be the last game of the season we, or October 1st. And we can finally talk about, you know, David Stearns coming in and ha- have more fodder to talk about on our podcast. Yeah, it's another year where the offseason is the season for the Mets. And, you know, we experienced that a lot in our childhood of, all right, let's see what they do in free agency. And now you actually have a pretty competent, you know, president of baseball operations, the first one of that title in the role, and a guy with all the respect in the world, and that's what we're waiting for. And I agree, you know, I cannot wait for the season to end. And for me, it's tough because now we're locked in a football here at the Post with the Jets and Giants podcast. The Rangers are right around the corner, so it's like, can the mess just end already? I mean, these games don't matter. We're searching for storylines, but there's not much there. This team is just not that good, and they have a bunch of bums in the bullpen. You know, Bickford is one intriguing piece because I think he's got good stuff, but outside of, you know, Rayleigh Adovino, the rest of the bullpen, see ya. No Hartwig Pleagues, no Drew Smith, none of these other guys coming out of the bullpen. But, yeah, the offseason, you know, I, I look Sunday and I, I went to 67 last year, which is the most I ever went to in total. I think 61 home, six road. This year, I think I'm somewhere around 45. So I might go to one more, but I said it's my last afternoon game because the last one of the season is the only afternoon game left, and that's a football Sunday, 3 o'clock, no shot. I'm going to that game. Might go to one or two more in that final week, but I looked around and said, yeah, I'm going to miss this place, but I also need a break. Like the wear and tear it has on your mental health, watching this team day in and out and going to the ballpark 
I also gained the city 15. It's not the freshman 15. I said on the show, it's the city 15. I'm becoming a freaking fat ass going to that place and eating nonstop food. So I could use the break from the stadium and start cooking some salmon and brown rice at home. My God, my, my, there's, there's rust building up on my pots and pans because I've been eating out and eating at city field so much that I could really use this break and we could use it for a health. Well, if, if you're looking for things to do that final week and the rest of the season, obviously the kids, but the giveaways, you still got the Bucks show Walter windbreaker. I might I'll go for there. that, get a little windbreaker, the Mets cross body bag, kind of like your Zach Galifianakis and in, in the hangover using one of those cross body bags. Maybe I could use that. The tie dye headband. Now as a bald man, I don't know if it's frowned upon for me to wear a headband because it's not covering any hair. It might look a little goofy on me. I don't really need that, but I can, I can use the windbreaker. I can maybe use the bag. And then the last game is the Mr. Med. I'm shocked. Fan Appreciation Day, they don't have like a big giveaway. Like that seems like a disservice to the fans. Maybe they'll have a surprise and give some stuff away. But like they should have like all the leftovers from the giveaways this season. Like give them out randomly. Like you get a bobblehead, you get, you know, the the shades, whatever it may be, the, the ghost fork ball. Um, they should do that. Well, Anthony Rivera, you can check out the Subway to Shea podcast. And uh, it was good uh, cashing up with you. I'm glad we got to do this finally. I know you did it with Figgy, but, you know, enjoy your off season. I'm sure we'll talk again down the road. And, you know, I think in, in Stearns, we trust, and I think they have the guy to get them there. Now we see what kind of money they're putting into it and what happens with these baby Mets, which guys start, which guys do not. It's going to be fun to watch and it's going to be an intriguing off season that I'm sure will be full of storylines. And because when do the Mets not give us, Headlines never. I think you got you guys take a, a little time off, right? During the off season. Yeah, off season we only do if there's like a big signing or a trade, we do a show. Yeah, I think for the first time I'm gonna do that. Like I, I I need the break at least through October, and then they could start doing the moves and all that stuff. But I definitely need a break from watching baseball. And like yourself, you're looking forward to obviously you got the football with the Jets. You got the hockey. I'm not looking forward to the Jets because Zach Wilson is making me lose my mind already. (laughs) He's such a terrible quarterback, but yeah, you're ready for Rangers hockey then, right? Yeah, I'm ready for Rangers. And listen, football is still football. I'm locked in Sundays. I've been hooking up, just winning. I've been paying rent with some of my parlay wins. So uh, I do love football. So it's been fun. Yeah. I'm getting ready for uh Devils hockey, uh, a big season coming up. So uh, that's what I'm looking forward to most outside of, uh, and and this is weird, outside of my uh, Dallas Cowboys who uh, took care of business against both New York teams, but they still haven't fooled me yet because I need them to get to the NFC title game before I start believing 100% in this team. All right, this is the point where we kick you off the show for talking about <laughs> your love for the freaking Dallas Cowboys who beat New York, New York twice in a row. But Anthony Rivera, well, we won't let we won't hold that against you, even though it's always screw the Cowboys. Um, thank you for coming on. Amazing but true. <laughs> no, I appreciate you always, uh, Jake. Thanks for having me on, and uh, it's a fun time always on the Amazing but True podcast. And we'll close out Amazing but True next. We go to the gas station and pump our own gas. I know because I don't have a car, but the people <laughs> who do have a car pump their own freaking gas. All righty. Great stuff there from Anthony Rivera of the Subway to Shape podcast. That close up episode 181 of Amazing But True, a New York Mets podcast. 
from the New York Post. Thanks to Andrew Hartz for helping me in producing the show. Catch up on all old episodes you may have missed this season by subscribing to Amazement True on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts. And subscribe to the New York Post Sports YouTube. Find that Amazing But True playlist. Follow us. Give us a thumbs up below. Comment below. What are you watching for from these Mets? And what do you want David Stearns to do this offseason? Let us know your offseason plan. What should the Mets do to get this ship right? Let us know in the comments below on YouTube. And Nelson Figueroa will be back, we believe, on Thursday. And we hope to have Bartolo Colon on. So stay tuned for that. We're hoping to have Big Sexy. I guess I assume we would need a interpreter or translator along with him so you know good for Bartolo it was a good day Sunday I think a lot of people were excited to see him they love him he had a solid Mets career of course he had that infamous home run in San Diego that we will never forget so we will be back on uh, Thursday the Mets have a three-game series in Miami Monday Tuesday Wednesday is a series so Thursday afternoon we hope to drop that episode. So stay tuned for that. Follow me on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio and follow the show at Amazing But True. For Anthony Rivera, Andrew Hartz, I am Jake Brown. We will talk to you all on Thursday. Thanks for listening to Amazing But True. Peace. A glizzy gladiator.